0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh.
1: Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah who sent you to me to inquire of me, <laughs> Behold, Pharaoh's army which has come up to help you will return to Egypt to their own land, and the Chaldeans shall come back. And fight against the city and take it and burn it with fire.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. In today's message, we're asked a question by Pastor J.D. that requires some reflection. Where do we put our hope when everything seems to be hitting the fan? Do we rely on things or people for hope that in all actuality they can't offer? Friends, Jesus is the only one and true hope. It's to him we need to go. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 37 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Jeremiah chapters 37 and 38 and Please forgive me, but I have to say it again. Oh my goodness, these chapters are, oh man, you're going to have to bear with me because there's just, it's pretty intense, and but wow, just very powerful, of course. And there's just so many lessons and takeaways and things by way of application to our lives that are woven into the fabric of these two chapters as we're going to see. So why don't we pray? Just ask God to bless our time together in His Word. If you would, please join with me. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we're just so thankful to you for this Bible study that we have. It represents for many of us that time and just come to this place and just have this time with you in your word with each other in fellowship and worship and just be fed and ministered to and calmed and settled, even recalibrated in a way. We get all out of sorts with all the busyness and stress in our lives, of our lives, and especially with a week like this week with just so much happening and everything changing so fast. And these are huge developments, prophetically, in the world, globally. And it just is yet another indicator of how close we are to that trumpet sounding. And Lord, that just encourages us beyond measure. So Lord, thank you for that. This is the time that we set aside and we look forward to it for many of us. It's the highlight of our week. I know for me personally, I in some ways, in a different sort of way, look forward more to teaching Bible study than I do Sunday morning, especially the update. <laughs> this, is, this is just a special time for us, Lord. And so as we now get into your word, please, Lord, please, would you just bless our time together and Lord, we brought to this Bible study many things that only you know about. Things in our hearts, heavy, weighing on our hearts. And so, Lord, would you speak to that as only you can and are always so faithful to. And and Lord, when you do, oh, we know it's you because only you know that about us. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. Bless our time, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Ah, All right, so the two chapters that we have before us speak to the matter of in whom or what we place our hope when everything seems so hopeless in the end. And such was the case with Judah at this time, at this juncture. This is the final hour. It's the eve of the Babylonians seizing the city and capturing the people. Again, as we've been talking about, the book of Jeremiah is not arranged in a chronological order. It's more in a topical order in terms of the arrangement divinely, the divine arrangement of the chapters back to back that speak to the same issue, the same matter. And again, such is the case with the two chapters that we have. As we're about to see, the desperation on the part of the people, chief of whom is King Zedekiah, will drive them to a false hope and it's going to come screaming out of these chapters. So let's begin, verse 1, Jeremiah 37, Now King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned, instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. This was a a vassal king, a puppet king, installed by Nebuchadnezzar to do his bidding which (laughs) explains everything, actually. But, verse 2, neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed to the words of the Lord which he spoke by the prophet Jeremiah. And, verse 3, Zedekiah the king sent Jehukal the son of Shalemiah and Zephaniah the son of Maaseiah the priest To the prophet Jeremiah saying, pray now to the Lord, our God for us. Really? I'm sorry. Oh, now you want Jeremiah to pray for you. Isn't that typical? I guess we should be gracious. You know, you're probably more gracious than I am. I'll admit it. But it's just so typical, isn't it? You know, they blow you off, they mock you, they ridicule you, they persecute you. And then, boy, have the Babylonians at the 11th hour, and it looks like it's the end, and now they want prayer. Well, you have to pray for them. (laughs) What are you going to say? No! he doesn't know. But notice with me the desperation on Zedekiah's part it's disingenuous. I hope you know that. And the reason is, is that he's still putting his hope in the Egyptians. And he's also still, deep down inside, holding out hope that somehow Jeremiah would change his message. That's why he's saying, Pray now to the Lord our God for us. Translated, pray and ask the Lord if anything's changed. Maybe, you know, God will be merciful to us. Because this wouldn't be the first time that the Egyptians came to the aid of the Israelites there in Judah against their enemies and prevailed. And it's almost like he's saying, would you pray, and we do this all the time, by the way, would you pray and ask God to bless our efforts concerning the Egyptians coming to our aid against the Babylonians? Well, the only problem with that, Zedekiah, is I've been prophesying to you for how many years now that God is going to take Judah captive by the Babylonians, and if you continue to fight for your life, you will lose your life. If you surrender to what God has already ordained, then you'll save your life. But Zedekiah doesn't want to hear that. He's hoping deep down inside that something might change. Now, verse 4, Jeremiah was coming and going among the people, for they had not yet put him in prison. Meaning, they will put him in prison. (laughs) Then, verse 5, Pharaoh's army came up from Egypt, and when the Chaldeans who were besieging Jerusalem heard news of them, they departed from Jerusalem. This is really important detail that were provided here. And sadly, it can be easily missed at first read, but it's going to be germane to our understanding as it relates to Judah having a sense of relief. Let me explain. Now, at this juncture, it's the eleventh hour, and it's just a matter of time now before the final siege and the Babylonians take Judah captive into Babylon. But, Because Egypt had now presented themselves, and the Chaldeans had heard about Egypt, maybe intervening on behalf of Judah, they're there outside Jerusalem, the city walls, and they leave to go deal with the Egyptians. Now think this through with me. If I'm there in Judah, I'm thinking, Wow. Thank you, Lord. That was close. We're not on lockdown anymore. Oh, no. We'll we'll see that next, by the way. Spoiler alert (laughs) with Jeremiah. The restrictions have been lifted. We're like Jeremiah. We're told here in verse four, we're free to go to and fro, in and out, back and forth, wherever we want. We're not... There's no more stay-at-home order because the Chaldeans left to go deal with the Egyptians. So they could have easily, and they did, by the way, misinterpret this short-lived set of circumstances with the Chaldeans leaving and departing from Jerusalem thinking, wow, we're, we're out of the woods. Hey, things are back to normal now. Well, not for long. Then, verse 6, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me, (laughs) Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come up to help you, will return to Egypt to their own land, and the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against the city, and take it and burn it with fire. Have a nice afternoon. Wait, what? So you mean to tell me that here I'm thinking, all right, we're free to go about to and fro. We're not under lockdown or stay home, you know. No restrictions. And no orders, and they're gone, and now you're telling me that the army of Pharaoh's going to go back to Egypt, and the Chaldeans are going to come back to Judah, and they're not just going to come back to the city of Judah, they're going to fight against the city of Judah, they're going to take the city of Judah, and they're going to burn it, the city of Judah with fire. This is what happens when we put our hope In the Egypt of the world, Egypt, a type of the world, without exception, will get burned. (laughs) Pun intended, okay? You'll always get burned. If you put your hope in this world, the Egypt of this world, because here clearly Judah had put their hope. Oh man, the Egyptians are going to come to our rescue again against the Chaldeans. And here Jeremiah has been prophesying that we were going to be taken captive and they would besiege the city and destroy the city and burn the city. And now it looks like the Egyptians are going to come to our aid and it will not happen. And so it's all good now. And then they start getting comfortable and they go back to, maybe better said, return to The putting of their hope in the world, the things of the world. Hoping in, we have a saying, hoping against hope, you will always be disappointed. Those who hope in the Lord will never be disappointed. Verse 9, thus says the Lord, this is interesting, Do not deceive yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans will surely depart from us, for they will not depart. Verse 10, oh yeah? For though you had defeated the whole army of the Chaldeans who fight against you, and there remained only wounded men among them, they would rise up, every man in his tent, and burn the city with fire. (laughs) In other words, yeah, nice try. I mean, I have declared it. My prophet Jeremiah has prophesied it it will come to pass, no matter what. And even if you were somehow able to succeed in some measure in defeating the whole army of the Chaldeans, I would still bring it to pass exactly as I said it would happen. I would even with wounded bus up, you get the picture, I would raise up the wounded, clinging to life. They would rise up and they would, every single one of them, come out of their tent and come to the city and burn it. Do you want to know why? Because I said it. That's why. So (laughs) to think otherwise, to somehow put your hope in anything but what the Lord has declared is to be self-deceived. Self-deceived. You know what self-deceived is? It means, I know this is deeply profound, that you've deceived yourself. We all have this proclivity, this propensity to actually believe our own lies. We actually all have this ability innate within our sin nature our Adamic nature to deceive ourselves we're not being deceived by someone else we're being deceived by ourselves and to put your hope in anything or anyone other than God Almighty is to be deceived because you're self-deceived. Verse 11, And it happened when the army of the Chaldeans left the siege of Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, that Jeremiah (laughs) went out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to claim his property there among the people. Remember this? When he bought sight unseen from his cousin some land, this is a real estate acquisition that, you know, he was probably not looking for, but he was the kinsman redeemer, next of kin. So his cousin comes from Anathoth, about three miles away. Picture Judah as, let's say, Judah's, I don't want to say Judah's a Kaneohe, because it doesn't end well. So, okay, Kaneohe's is Anathoth, Kailua's is Judah. Of course, I live in Kailu, I don't want to do that either we'll go to the other side of the island. But you get the point. There's like three, four, five miles apart. So here's Jeremiah. Hey, no more lockdown, no more stay-at-home order. We're free to go about. I think I'm going to go see what I bought. <laughs> and also it seems that they're going to be having a meeting about this property, and I better be there to claim my rightful ownership of this property. Because after all, the Chaldeans' news has traveled, And the Chaldeans have departed, and so maybe this property that Jeremiah bought might have some value now. When he bought it, it was of no value. You couldn't get rid of it. You'd have to pay somebody to take it. And so when Jeremiah bought it, by faith, we knew about the why behind that what, but he buys this property, and now they're possibly trying to figure out how to take this property from Jeremiah. So he has this need now to go there and claim his property among the people. Now, verse 13, and when he was in the gate of Benjamin, he doesn't get very far, a captain of the guard was there whose name was Erija, the son of Shalemiah, the son of Hananiah. And he seized Jeremiah the prophet saying, you are defecting to the Chaldeans. Then Jeremiah said, verse 14, False! I am not defecting to the Chaldeans. But he did not listen to him. So Erijah seized Jeremiah and brought him to the princes. Therefore, verse 15, the princes were angry with Jeremiah, and they struck him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. Okay. Man, I just... Oh, man, Jeremiah. Okay, first of all, at this point, Jeremiah is probably, well, actually about my age, 60 years old. But keep in mind that 60 years of age in that day was not like 60 years of age today. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. (laughs) I mean, but in that day, they had a lot of miles on them by the time they reached 60, if they reached 60. And you consider the rough and hard, and it was a hard life back then. And so you've got some miles on you by that time. And he's an older man now. He's not in his 20s anymore like he was when God first called him. So some 40 years has passed. Now, why is this important? Because he's still getting beaten I think of the Apostle Paul, I don't know, maybe this is, uh, I think it's good in a not so easy way for us to imagine with our God-given imagination. Can you imagine what the Apostle Paul looked like? I mean, his face was marred and scarred. You know how many times he had been beaten and stoned and whipped? I just picture him bearing the battle scars of Christ all over his body. I would venture to say that people would wince when they would see him. He just looked hideous. All of the years. How about the shipwrecks? You don't think that takes a toll on you? Now here we are with Jeremiah. Man, he's been through so much. You don't come out of that unscathed, unscarred. So here he is as a... An elderly man, which, that's another topic for another time, it is shameful that the elders, the elderly, are so mistreated in our day, so disrespected. We just want to put them away. You know how much wisdom is in those gray hairs? Again, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. (laughs) So, First of all, he's an elder, he's an older man, and they're beating him and punching him, and then they imprison him. We're going to see this in a little bit, but this is no ordinary prison. This is actually going to be a dungeon. And by the way, he's put in prison and left there to die. When Jeremiah, verse 16, entered, and here it is, the dungeon and the cells. And Jeremiah had remained there many days. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. The king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? This is deja vu all over again. And Jeremiah said, There is. Oh man, he's getting his hopes up. Okay, what is it? Then Jeremiah said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. I love Jeremiah. So much. wait, just a minute. Not Stay with me on this. Very important. If I'm Jeremiah, I totally wouldn't have done that. I mean, are you kidding me now? I'm 60 years old. Okay. Really more like 80 in that day, if not more.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D., The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? jeremiah twenty nine eleven says "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, but if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment ultimately god's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.